1: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, December 4th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, pediatricians say the state is seeing rising cases of COVID-19 in children and adolescents. We hear from the president-elect of the Mississippi Chapter of the Academy of Pediatricians. Then high school fall sports culminate this weekend with the state football championships. We reflect on the unusual season filled with challenges. Plus, what economic impact a new Amazon Fulfillment Center in Madison County can bring to Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. As transmission of the coronavirus continues to intensify, cases of COVID-19 among children and teens in Mississippi are also on the rise. Pediatricians statewide are urging parents to take the necessary steps to slow the spread of the virus ahead of the Christmas and New Year holidays. Dr. Anita Henderson is with the Mississippi Chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. She shares more with our Kobe fans. Nationally, we've seen a
0: doubling of coronavirus. And in Mississippi, we are also seeing a rise in pediatric coronavirus. So the good news is that children generally do very well with coronavirus. Um, we've had three deaths in Mississippi under the age of 20, and we've had uh, a little over 120 children hospitalized. Um, so the kids are doing really well, but we know that children don't live in a vacuum. So. Children who get coronavirus then transmitted to their parents, their grandparents, their siblings. And so we're seeing a rise in children just like we're seeing a rise um, in the entire population.
4: Just curious here, has, it been, uh, has there been challenges in getting children to participate in things like wearing a mask and uh, social distancing? Because a lot of children uh, need that social interaction at such an early stage in their life to form relationships and uh, their personalities.
0: That's right. To be honest, our children are really doing a great job wearing their masks. Since March, every child over the age of two who comes into the pediatric clinic has to wear a mask. And they are honestly doing a great job, much better than I even anticipated. We are having to do different things, trying to interact with them, learning to engage, um, learning to make children smile and laugh during a pediatric encounter while you're wearing a mask is challenging. So I I think that they're doing a great job wearing those masks. I think it is um, a little bit trickier in terms of language, communication, development. Um, That's one of the reasons children under the age of two, we do not recommend mask wearing um, because of obstruction and just because of breathing issues, but also um, in terms of learning and language and development, under the age of two, we don't recommend wearing a mask.
4: What are pediatricians talking about with parents right now is their children are uh, in schools and uh, while they necessarily like the children themselves aren't necessarily at risk, they could become asymptomatic carriers of the virus.
0: That's right. We know that children just like adults can be asymptomatic carriers. and the children that are in school, Um, are generally doing a good job. The schools are doing a good job with hygiene. They're doing a good job with um, spacing of the desks. So children who get coronavirus are usually not getting it in school. They're getting it from the birthday parties on the weekends or the extracurricular activities. So what we tell our parents is if school is the goal and school is the focus, we need to prioritize academics, over extracurricular activities, so we want to prioritize school in-person learning. And in order to do that, we need to limit these weekend activities, these get-togethers, these um, super spreader events, so that our kids can stay in school.
4: Speaking of uh, youth activities, um, high school championship games begin today. Um, could you talk a little about a little bit about your concerns there uh, when it comes to uh, students? and possibly parents coming to attend these events? Um,
0: Sporting events are definitely concerning in terms of spreading coronavirus. The fact that the football championship is outdoors is um, better than an indoor event. However, we know that people congregating, yelling and cheering, um, that is definitely a place that we're worried about, uh, spreading coronavirus. Right now, what we're really asking people to do is to limit activities to essential activities, which is work, school, um, anything that you know you consider an essential activity. If we could just limit those um, extracurriculars and those unnecessary activities, in order to lower the spread, right now, um, that's the best thing we as Mrs. could do.
4: And last Thursday, Thanksgiving marked the opening of holiday, the holiday set time of the year. What, what are your thoughts going into the holiday season?
0: The the holiday season is going to be really challenging uh, this year. Any time that children are with people outside of their nuclear family, they are going to be at risk of spreading coronavirus and contracting coronavirus. So Thanksgiving should have looked different for most people, um, and Christmas is going to need to look different this year in order for us to protect those grandparents who are most vulnerable um, because we don't have room in our hospitals right now to accommodate um, our grandparents, our siblings um, who are going to contract coronavirus if we do not put those social measures in place right now.
4: And recently I saw that you signed on with uh, a few other doctors around the state, uh, and the current president of the uh, Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, as well as Dr. Luann Woodward here at the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson. Um, could you talk about, um, your, your thoughts on why Mississippi should have a statewide mask mandate as opposed to the governor's, uh, county by county orders that he's doing currently?
0: This summer, um, when we started seeing those cases of coronavirus rising rapidly, our governor started instituting a county-by-county mandate.
3: Um,
0: Toward the end of the summer, he decided to go ahead and issue a statewide mandate. And at that time, during the peak this summer, we were around 1,100 new cases per day in Mississippi when he issued that mandate on August 4th. Um, When that mask mandate was lifted, um, the end of September, we were down to about 500 cases per day. So, over the last few weeks, and and really with having more than 2,000 cases per day over the last two days, Mississippi is now averaging over 1,600 cases per day. So, our concern is that if we don't do anything, our cases will continue to rise. A statewide mandate lets everyone know that we are serious about this. This is a serious situation. Whether I live in Lamar County or Forest County or any county in the state, we all need to be masking up. We need to be avoiding large gatherings. We need to be social distancing. All of these things put together, layered on each other are the only things that will help us lower the risk and lower the spread of coronavirus. So the one thing that our governor could do right now to help lower the spread of coronavirus, in our opinion, would be to issue a statewide mask mandate.
4: Dr. Anita Henderson is with the American Academy of Pediatrics. Thank you for your time today and talking with us.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Coming up, high school fall sports culminate this weekend with the state football championships. We reflect on an unusual season filled with challenges. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Interscholastic sports are facing unprecedented challenges this year. The coronavirus pandemic caused the cancellation of many spring sports at the high school and college levels, and participation in fall sports has been a mixed bag. The Southwestern Athletic Conference, home of Mississippi's three public historically black universities, as well as Division II and III schools, postponed all of their fall sports Seasons. Other major conferences have attempted to complete seasons, albeit with a plethora of cancellations. The same is true for high school sports in Mississippi. After postponing the beginning of the fall seasons for a couple of weeks, high schools are wrapping up the fall calendar this weekend with the Mississippi High School Athletic Association's football championships. Don Hinton is the executive director of the MHSAA. He shares more about a very unusual season.
3: Our schools, of course, all throughout the season have have, uh, the authority to determine whether they're going to play um, a game or participate in a sport uh, or not, whether that's practice or games or any of that. With playoff implications, you, you know, you have to be able to determine who's in the playoffs. And so you have to have a win or a loss. And so that's been for us. We've had teams that had If they could not play, uh, the rule was that if they could not play, they would have to forfeit the game for seeding purposes uh, so that we could determine the format and who who would participate. And so we have 12 left now in football, and that's where we are right now for the weekend for our championships.
1: Are are the team members tested before this weekend play begins? Is Is there a procedure?
3: We have covered, we have through our business meeting this past Monday, we um, presented even additional guidelines for football championships. We've had guidelines throughout the year for our football sidelines, for free game dressing, for post-game, no, no handshakes, all of those kinds of things. We have presented to our schools and for them to participate when they step off the bus and arrive. Uh, they are to uh, present us with a Team documentation, a form that that has every participant where it asks, "Have you recently had a fever, or cough, or sore throat, or shortness of breath?" And then they will have their they will record their temperature. And so uh, those we've out we've asked for those uh, for every participant this weekend.
1: Just this week, Mississippi's health officer, Dr. Thomas Dobbs, is advising people not to attend sporting events. Here you are in a championship weekend. And I know that uh, attendance, uh, for anyone who, who for certainly families who know the kids, but it's a big weekend for football and for the association. So how do you respond to that?
3: Yeah, it's a huge weekend. And, and again, like everything else, whether it's going to the grocery store or anywhere, going to church or anywhere else, uh, the individuals, our citizens, have to determine if they're going to go and, 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 and where they're going to go in this case to a state championship game one of the reasons that we're playing in 45,000 seating capacity stadium Memorial Stadium is that we may if, if we have uh, six to eight thousand uh, uh, for our larger ball games uh, spectators for our larger ball games then that would that would be a, a good ground for us you know we 25 percent capacity which we're looking at Memorial Stadium is 40, uh, 45,000 is, is a little over 11,000, 11,250. And we feel like that uh, even with 11,250, if you had that number, uh, you could really spread out and you could do a good job of distance, social distancing yourself. You can sit anywhere in the stadium though. Entire stadium will be open. Uh, we have, uh, actually digital ticket sales ahead of time. You don't even have to go to the ticket box. And for us, it, an 8,000, uh, uh number of, of uh, spectators or even our five eight six eight games would be uh we you know normal and so not not even the 11,000
1: let's move on to basketball now there's uh there are tournaments that are played between Christmas and New Year's and basketball is inside there are more risks playing playing inside and being a spectator inside are there any plans looking forward to that time period
3: well, obviously, we've been participating now for the last month in those sports and individual games, single games, uh, where teams come to play. And so there have been the COVID guidelines for basketball inside through the National Federation of High Schools, uh, through the MHSAA, Sports Medical Advisory Groups, that we put out guidelines and, and, and differences in gymnasiums you know, in in cleaning and et cetera, et cetera. And you mentioned tournaments. We've got some tournaments that have already been played. Our schools did a really good job of keeping those games separated. When two teams play in a tournament, normally those teams would would stay and watch the next game, or some spectator may stay all day. Well, they don't do that. They ask teams now will come in, play their games. They'll leave. Their spectators leave. And so our schools, again, monitor that, uh, are are able to um, take care of their own um, spectators, their own game, and and try to follow those
1: guidelines. Don, you mentioned what a disappointment it was for spring sports, students playing spring sports. What does this next season look like?
3: We're moving uh, uh, day-to-day, week-to-week month to month right now we're focused on the winter sports and then the completion this is our last uh we have cheer and dance next week and this this week we have football and that'll conclude our fall sports we're looking winter sports right now we have going uh, and then for um the the spring and certainly our spring uh sports coaches and our players are looking forward to that and you know who, who knows what will happen with the with this virus between now and then it, Again, it's constantly changing, and but we but we have guidelines in place already. Uh, some of those will start practice in February for their season, and so um, and before they play games, they have a certain number of days they practice, and so they'll be taking care of their athletes, uh, and then when games are played, they're spectators, just like uh, all the other sports.
1: All right. You're always on your toes. It sounds like you have to be.
3: Well, you know, it's hard to be tried. You know, it's just, it's, again, it's never-ending, and it's been uh, – uh, very difficult and again uh, we try to manage what's in front of us each each day and keep our young people safe that's what we do.
1: Don Hinton the executive director of the Mississippi High School Activities Association and retiring at the end of this month after how many years in education?
3: Yeah 10 years with the uh, state association exactly and then 42 years in education as a, as a teacher and as a coach and as a Administ- school administrator.
1: Well, that's great. Thank you for your service, Don, and thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it in any time. And all six MHSAA football championship games can be heard right here on MPB Think Radio today and tomorrow. Coming up, what e- economic impact a new Amazon Fulfillment Center in Madison County can bring to Mississippi? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Music. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. A new Amazon facility in Madison County is helping the state surpass last year's new economic investments despite the coronavirus pandemic. Work is underway on a new Amazon Fulfillment Center in Canton, the third facility the corporate giant has brought to the state. Joey Deason is with Madison County Economic Development Authority. He tells our Desiree Frazier the company will hire a thousand employees to work at the four-story facility.
5: It will be, uh, Mississippi's first, uh, it will be Mississippi's first Amazon innovative robotics technology. Basically, it'll be a sorting facility. As I understand it, floors two through four, uh, will contain about 4,500 robots. And the majority of the people, uh, which the minimum employment is going to be a thousand, but up In the holiday periods, they will uh, hire up to about
6: 1,800 employees. And when will they start hiring?
5: It's my understanding that they will begin hiring probably in May or June for that August date. Uh, It will be a series of small events here in the community and around the region. And from those little small events, uh, they'll ask anybody that's interested to attend become familiar with the company, who they are, what they do. They will even, uh, once the jobs are available, they'll take your telephone number and actually they have a text line. And it will alert you to those jobs being available and online and let you know you need to go to their website and apply for those jobs. The majority of these jobs will be packing, sorting, those types of uh, skill sets. The minimum pay is $15 per hour. The benefits are extremely uh, well thoughtful. They consist of dental vision, medical, 401k uh, up to fifty percent match.
6: What does this mean for Madison County having this project come there?
5: Well, first and foremost, we're extremely excited that Amazon chose to build its largest and you know and its only robotic system here in Madison County. But what it means to the community is obviously it's going to uh, allow uh, our citizens and the region uh, to have additional choices for job opportunities, uh, those 1,000 jobs, and up to 1,800 during the holiday season. Uh, it will provide those opportunities.
6: Can you speak at all to the economic impact of this?
5: Well, with regards to the economic impact, I'll, I'll give you a small tidbit. We're already feeling it. If, if you take a look and you compare the city of Canton's uh, sales and, or, or sales tax revenue that they've received over the last three months, just because of the construction and the activity, because all of those individuals, on any given day, there's probably between two to 300 individuals there on the site. They're buying gas. They're eating lunches. They're eating dinners. They're staying in the hotels. And uh, so the city of Canton's already seeing a, a, a bump.
1: Joseph Deason of the Madison County Economic Development Authority with our Desiree Frazier. Earlier this summer, Mississippi was down to competing against two other states for the facility. John Rouseville with Mississippi Development Authority says they worked on the deal for about a year. He says the state put up the infrastructure investment needed to secure the new center.
2: They received, we offered them um, approximately uh, $8 million in infrastructure dollars, and that will go to help provide water, wastewater, uh, natural gas, and some road improvements to uh, the mega site uh, and to uh, the new Amazon facility.
6: Were you vying against other states for that facility? Yes, ma'am. Do you know how many states were in the running?
2: Most recently, I think we were probably down to uh, to two. I don't know how many started uh, in the uh, – initial effort, but uh, I do know that we, we got down to, to two uh, final, and that's that's kind of the, the, the point we've been uh, working at for the last, you know, five or six months on the deal.
6: What do you think helped you cross the finish line?
2: Well, I think, again, going back to the relationship we have with them already, um, we've proven ourselves uh, a leader in logistics and distribution in Mississippi. Um, they're very pleased with the operations they've already got here. So we were a, a natural extension uh, for expansion. And, you know, it's, it, it all boils down to uh, product and, and workforce quality. And, and uh, in this case, uh, being at the uh, intersection of 55 and 20, uh, just geographically, it makes sense for them to, to locate a new uh, facility here uh, in the Jackson metro area.
6: Can you speak to the challenge of competing for, economic development opportunities in Mississippi or for Mississippi?
2: Sure. Um, in in the economic development world, uh, I think, you know, 10, 20 years ago, the mindset was, uh, okay, if we locate a facility in this location, um, people will move to that area uh, to want to work there. But we've seen, uh, particularly in the last five to seven years probably, that, that's kind of been flipped on its head. Now companies are looking for where is the workforce because um, everybody's competing for, for the best talent that they can get, and that's why uh, the improvements we've seen uh, over the last few years in our K-12 programs, um, the improvements we've seen uh, and most recently passed where we're restructuring our state workforce work investment board to improve our workforce training efforts uh, to provide skills training uh, to Mississippians, you know, all that comes together and it's got to be firing on all, all cylinders because it's that that's that's the name of the game today in economic development is workforce.
1: John Rosseville is with Mississippi Development Authority. The new center is expected to be completed by August of next year. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio